You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome back to another episode of The Food Code. So today, I'm really excited. Unfortunately, Becca is home with the stomach flu, and so she is not going to be joining us, but I'm here with um, a lady named Christy Campbell. Campbell? Campbell. Campbell. Like Campbell. Campbell Soup. So Christy and I met in Arizona back in December at a nutrition coaching conference, essentially, um, with the Nutritional Coaching Institute and got to chat. Ironically, we have babies that are very similar in age. So Miss Georgia is um, just about the same age as Marcus and um, have been following Christy on Instagram since I got home and really think that her message will resonate with all of you mamas out there and from the nutrition side, a lot of what Becca and I talk about. So I'm Christy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you and kind of how you became a coach. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here and I'm so sorry that Becca has stomach flu. That is... (laughs) It, the are dropping like flies right now. And I just came from my son's elementary school. I, my two boys and they are um, nine and 11. So they're still in elementary school. And I was like, nobody touch me. Nobody touch this baby. You guys all have the plague. This is a cesspool of plague. Yes. Yes. And we have people in our gym right now too, that I'm like, sanitize your hands, wash your hands. Like if you have any, like, just don't come in. It's okay to take the day off and stay home. So I know yeah. because especially with like, I don't know what weather is like there for you. Um, well, I live in Washington state and it's pretty mild until it's not is kind of how it is. So it's, you know, forties, a lot of the days in the winter and drizzly, and then we'll get, you know, a good couple of weeks of snow or really cold, like in the teens for a couple yeah. weeks but it's for the most part pretty mild. So, I mean, today it's chilly. It's like high thirties and drizzly. Drizzly. Yeah. It's been really yucky here. I don't think we're going to see the sun until like Saturday or Sunday this week, they said. So I don't know about you, but it just like puts me in this like weird, like, like grind, get through the day, five coffees. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm on, I'm on number two and it's leftover coffee from yesterday. That's where I was at this morning. I didn't even make a fresh pot. I just poured it into my cup and put ice into it and rock and roll. Um, I have been there. (laughs) But I guess a little bit about me is um, I live in Washington state. I've got three kiddos. So two boys that are older and got um, baby Georgia, who is uh, the, you know, we talked about, Um, she is seven and a half months old and I, we are a military family. Um, So I was active duty. I'm out now. My husband's still active duty. We've been living geographically apart for almost two years now, which has been pretty challenging. Um, Do the math. Then that means that we conceived and had Georgia during the time that he was like not living here. And that's as tricky as you imagine. (laughs) Um, And she was a surprise. So she was like a really good surprise, but we thought that season, um, baby season was over. Yeah. Uh, couple years ago we had tried it didn't happen so we're like all right 
let's get rid of all the baby gear. And we moved cross country with the Navy. And a couple days before he left on his seven month deployment, we found out we were pregnant with Georgia. Wow. Wow. So he left at, you know, I was five weeks pregnant and he got home and I was 37 weeks pregnant. Wow. Yes. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) it was something. And so he's still back and forth. He doesn't live with us most of the time. He just comes and visits until June he'll move home. Um, and we're, we're done the back and forth. So that that's on the horizon. And, um, you know, I, I'm the, I guess the founder of fit me. Um, we, we started as a nutrition coaching company. Um, we, you know, it was completely 100% based on my journey and how someone had helped me. That's really why I started it. Um, I guess I, I guess that's a really quick, easy background is I was a sporty kid growing up. I played lots of soccer, softball, all the things. And I ate all of the like eighties and nineties kid food. Like I did not eat well. I, I think it's just a product of single mom. You know, my mom was a teacher, single mom. Like I ate loads of cereal, hamburger helper, all the processed foods, never ending, you know, junk. Vegetables came from a can. I did not know how to eat, but I didn't really struggle with my weight. And I think it was because I was very, very active. Um, And then fast forward a little bit, I went into the Navy and I ended up having a, um, a series of knee surgeries it started as like a misdiagnosis. Then I had an ACL reconstruction and then fast forward, I've had four ACL reconstructions on my left knee, 10 total knee surgeries. And so you fast forward through that, get married, have two kids. And I gained 50 pounds with each of my boys in the pregnancies. And the first time, um, first pregnancy, I was able to lose the weight with like Weight Watchers and Jazzercise. And like, I just was like, oh, I've got to lose weight. So I better do cardio and get on a diet. And yeah. then um, with Henry, my second, I tried that and it didn't work. And I had had my ninth knee surgery. It was major knee surgery to try to repair like the series of things that had happened in the Navy. I mean, so my knee didn't work. And I, so I couldn't exercise away the weight, which is what I had always done. I had zero eating skills because I had only eaten processed food and garbage or been familiar with like the diet culture of like, let me try a diet. And so that's what I did. I was like, well, I must need to diet. So I tried all the diets. Um, and you know, two years after I had Henry, I was 40 pounds overweight and I was like, well, I guess this is just me. Like, this is what mom life is. Like you wear clothes that don't feel good. You stop feeling sexy in a bathing suit. You hide a little bit. You have mom jeans, you know, that don't look like they do on 17 year olds. They look super cute on them. (laughs) Um, And I was really in a bad place. And I also had lost that part of my identity of being an athlete. I was like, I, that was like something I did as a young person. I can't even do that stuff anymore. My knee's broken. And Josh left on deployment um, at that time too. It's ironic that it's kind of similar to now. And he, um, when he left, I made up my mind, okay, this is going to be the season I lose weight. Um, And I joined a world gym and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I was going to step classes and trying to do it on my own and trying to like learn some kind of online system. You know, I was doing, again, I was doing all the things. I joined every shake challenge. I had done all the stuff. I bought an elliptical, put it in my room, never used it, all the things. And just so happened, I met a personal trainer and he was just 
the coach that I needed. He was running this like outdoor boot camp class, like in the dirt, like with the cold and the snow. And it was, he was like, come out. It's called pain in the park. And I was like, that sounds terrible. I'm not going to that. Um, <laughs> it does sound terrible. And again, like at that point, I mean, I was 40 pounds overweight. I had a knee brace that I had to wear when I did any physical activity. Couldn't do one push up. Like it was just, it sounded so crazy, but he was magic. He was a coach, you know? And he, when I went out to his class, he didn't treat me like I was broken. He treated me like an athlete. He could see, you know, who was under there and like, and brought me along. He taught me the basics of food. Like, okay, we're not going out to eat all the time. If we're trying to lose weight, we're not under eating. We got to eat enough food. And he was the first person that ever told me that. Um, he taught me how to strength train. So I would go to the gym and meet with him and he taught me how to do that. And I guess, I mean, he taught me a lot of things, but that's not what he did for me. He was a coach. And so he like transformed my life because he gave me back um, that feeling of being an athlete. He like took away the diet, you know, culture for me and like showed me how to be normal, like with healthy habits. And he just changed everything. So I quit all, I mean, I have my degrees in something totally separate. Um, and I was just like, this is what I want to do. And yeah. so I got certified as, you know, as a personal trainer, I started as a personal trainer. When we moved out to Washington, I started my own outdoor boot camp class in the dirt, in the snow from scratch with no one, you know, and did that for a number of years. I found CrossFit and fell in love with CrossFit and weightlifting and did that for a while. And I just loved, loved, loved coaching and the nature of the beast probably for anyone is that like the hour that you spend in the gym, once you kind of master that habit, that becomes really good. But then the rest of the day is pretty hard. And I, I kept seeing that for people over and over again. Like, and I wanted to be able to support, support people with the rest of their day, um, with their habits, their relationships, their like, you know, fulfillment in this lifestyle. And so then I shifted into nutrition coaching and started pursuing the education there. And it's just kind of evolved from there. But ultimately at the end of the day, like I'm a passionate coach. Absolutely. And, and so that's kind of the shortish version of the story. I hope that wasn't too long. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And I, you know, I was driving yesterday and I was really thinking about what makes a great coach, you know, because so many times people come to us and they want to lose weight and it's easy. You can go on Instagram and you can see anybody out there, right? You can look up people who have real cute physiques and, you know, they call themselves nutrition coaches or whatever, but the, the most passionate people are the ones that have taken their journey. You know, like that's how I got into this is through my personal journey. And it's so funny that you mentioned you bought an elliptical because I forgot I did the same thing. I bought an elliptical like three years after college and I put it in my bedroom at my townhouse with my roommate. I totally just, you know, this is like sparking back memories, but I get what you're saying about like when you're in that place and you're so overweight, I wasn't a mom at that time, but exactly everything you said I did. I bought all the shakes. I subscribed to every program out there. I think at one time I had two gym memberships, neither one were getting used. Right. Um, and it is so much more than getting to the gym for an hour a day. It's the 23 other hours. And so I love that you brought that up because so many people think like nutrition coaching, like what are they going to do for me? How are they going to help me? And it's a total transformation of a lifestyle. It's not just 
you know, saying, here's some calorie, here's your macros and here's your calorie intake. Yeah. I mean, you can really get that anywhere. And I think a lot, cause it really, I think a lot about that year, that, that year of transformation for me and what was so critical. Why did it happen? You know, I tried all this other stuff mm -hmm. and I, I think a lot coaching was a cornerstone having a person who cared, who knew what they were doing, who wasn't trying to sell me something, who was legitimately like trying to help me, you know, that, that was a key piece that the other key piece was community. And I didn't know it at the time, but I, through his class, like through other people doing it too, I built momentum. And so that was such a key part of it. Um, other people down in the dirt with me doing the same thing made it so that like, there was no way I was missing class. Yeah. No way. Because I would not see so-and-so and they'd be like, where are you? You know? And it, it made a difference and I cared about them and they cared about me. And that was such a big part of it. And then the other thing that I think was a big part of it is I stopped attaching my daily thing, my daily actions with some outcome. I just stopped doing the thing where you're like, if only I do X, Y, and Z, the scale will go down. Or if only I do these squats, my butt will get better. Or if only I do, you know, this, mm -hmm. then this outcome will happen. I, for some reason, I don't know how I did it. I just stopped. I just started doing the things. <laughs> I just started eating better. I just started exercising. I just started um, living differently. And then the outcomes followed. Yeah. And it was more sustainable that way because I wasn't, you know, trying to do some kind of crazy diet. And then once I got there, learn how to live. Yeah. Um, I was learning how to live as you were yes. on the journey. Yes. I was living differently. And so then solving the puzzle of how do I live differently is the process, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So I don't know how to grocery shop. Well, then that's part of the process. Like you actually have to learn how to buy healthy food and prepare it. I didn't know. Like I said, I grew up on processed mm -hmm. food. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to prep. I thought you had to have like some kind of fancy recipe to make food. I didn't know that you can yeah. just like, you know, cook maybe, or that healthy food is boring that right. if you're going to, you know, change your lifestyle, you have to eat like chicken and, and broccoli, like the bodybuilders diet, right? And egg whites yeah. and stuff like that. And, um, I think, you know, especially if we fast forward now to being a mom, we need quick, easy, convenient things in the house and things that we can easily put together for the kids and for ourselves. So I'd love to kind of talk about you know, through that year of transformation, how did that transfer over into your marriage and your relationship with your spouse and then also the kids? Well, fortunately, like transformation year happened when Josh wasn't home. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, you said that he left. Okay. But, but I mean, it was very different, right? Because like he left and I was a grant writer for a nonprofit that was 40 pounds overweight, kind of struggle busting my way through like exercise. He comes home. And I am a, like, I've lost weight. I've certified as a personal trainer. I'm going to start my own business in the park. And it was definitely a shift. So, I mean, the adjustment needed to happen. It just happened kind of all at once. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, that stupid phrase, like it starts with you 
Like that's true. Like some of the lifestyle changes absolutely have to start with you. But I strongly believe that I, I didn't want to be eating out of a Tupperware separate from my kids for the rest of my life. That's not the life I want. I don't want to be dieting while they're eating bullshit. Like I wanted to, I'm sorry. I didn't know if you're allowed to. Yeah, we're explicit. (laughs) Um, But like, I, I somehow I knew I didn't really want that, but that's easier said than done because again, my kids were really comfortable with like processed snacks, with juices, with all of the nonsense. Yeah. And so there was a season of transition, especially once I joined CrossFit, because I, I remember learning about paleo and, and that was a really, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily as a coach recommend that for people like as a dogma diet, mm-hmm. but I do recommend like a season where you really clean house and eat a whole foods diet and see what that does for you. And everybody should do that once in their life. Like you've never done a whole 30, you should do it once because you're going to learn some really important stuff. And so I did a, you know, paleo whole 30 challenge at my gym and believe it or not, I, it was, it was very, very impactful for me because I learned one, like I always had had eczema my entire life. Um, my eyelids would peel. My skin was crackly. I'd been on steroid cream my entire life. Um, and I had always had acid reflux disease my entire life. As an eight-year-old, um, we did like the upper GI test where they like roll you around and see what's going on with you. Cause that's how bad my reflux was. I was having like heart pains. And so I had been medicated with like Asifex and all the big guys, like the big proton pump inhibitor, you know? Yep. Um, and I would just pop Zantax all day long and Tums and all this. And I just thought that was me. I'm like girl with allergies, eczema and reflux. And I mean, it was so bad. My reflux was so bad in the Navy that they did an upper endoscopy just to make sure I wasn't starting to have esophageal cancer. Um, it was that bad. Meanwhile, fast forward a couple years, I do a silly paleo whole 30 challenge because they peer pressure me into it. And I thought I would get like a little leaner and I eliminate grains and dairy and the eczema and reflux that I had my entire life went away. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I know from just having, I have two autoimmune. So I, when I was 11, I was diagnosed with children's rheumatoid arthritis and uh-huh. fell out of bed one day, like couldn't walk. My mom thought I was just trying to skip school. Um, but my grandma lived with us at the time. So I went outside to the garage and got her walker. And so after that, you know, I was put on prednisone and methotrexate, the real strong um, prescriptions. And so she started researching, you know, into anti-inflammatory foods and long story short, fast forward a couple of years after that, go to the children's um, hospital in St. Louis. And she's like, everything's negative. You know, we told you, you would never walk, you'd never dance, you'd never be normal, but I don't know what to tell you. Like all your symptoms have cleared up food you know, and it's, it's so impactful. And, um, we're getting ready to do um, a blog series on inflammation because so many people, you know, they think they feel okay right now. Or like you said, I'm just Christy. I have allergies. I have acid reflux. It's just me, but yet it's literally the foods that we're consuming. And we don't know that there's this level that we can feel optimal or not have to be medicated. Yeah. And I mean, so I learned really something important about myself during that challenge and then it made it easy. It wasn't, oh, I can't have grains. It was like, I don't want that because I learned that my body doesn't tolerate it very well. It causes inflammation, which shows up in my skin. It probably showed up in my joints. It probably showed up in a million more ways. 
Um, and so I think that learning lesson, and even at the time, even though I was coaching that I wasn't in nutrition, that catapulted the change for my family because that lesson was like, oh, food can make us sick and I don't want that for my kids. And so then it made it a little bit easier. It wasn't just a battle of like, oh, this, this cereal is going to make you fat. That didn't seem like the conversation. That, that wasn't the conversation I was having with them. It was, what if, like, what if eating processed food all day long gives them a health condition? Like, right. so we're just not going to eat it in the house. And for, for me, that's kind of always been our default now. There's certain foods that we just don't stock the house with. And it's, I don't make it a thing. Like if they're at a party, if we're out, like it's, it's okay. Like, you know what? You can have a root beer. We're out to dinner. It's not the end of the world, but they've not seen juice in my house since, since that paleo challenge, like five years ago. Yeah. Um, or they haven't seen like, you know, some, some of the like more snacky kind of, you know, processed snacks. Um, sure. and, and by all means, like we snack and, please don't think that we've got it down because we don't like there's literally lucky charms in there right now because it was Henry's birthday this week and it was his favorite and he asked for it and it's there. So we are not perfect. I just saying that the catalyst for making the change for my family, I think revolved around seeing how powerful it was for me. And it wasn't about weight. It was more about living healthy and feeling good. Totally. And so it's, I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds that you've set this up in a way that you're educating your children from a standpoint of this is what I went through and this is what I found out and I care more about your health than you complaining for 20 minutes at Target because you can't have yes. the lucky times, right? But you also don't demonize food in a way to say, we can't have this, you can't go to Charlie's birthday party and have a piece of cake. Sounds like you're very well balanced there that it's, you know, what we talk about with our clients, right? Like lifestyle and everything in moderation as long as you tolerate it and you feel okay. Yeah. And I think I, and I'll, I wrote an article on this actually for parents and kids and I'll send you the link if you want to put in your show yeah. notes, but on like how to talk to your kids about food. Um, there are some strategies that I think are helpful, but I, the, my favorite thing to talk about them, talk to, you know, with them about food is like, what does this food do for us? And that's always helpful because then I can say like, is this, is this a food that makes our body feel good? Hmm. And it, again, we're not demonizing it. We're not talking about it, making you overweight or anything. It's just like, if they're eating a bowl of cereal before school and that's it, it's really easy for me to say, this isn't going to make you feel very good because in a couple hours you're going to crash and you're going to be hungry. And this is more of like a treat, not really a thing that we want to eat before school. I'd much rather have them have an omelet, you know, with some yogurt and some toppings on the yogurt. And then now we're full and satisfied. The challenge though is if you have the cereal in your house, it's a never ending battle. Like just putting it in the house is problematic. And so that's why, except for occasions, it really isn't in my house. Um, for an example, like we don't do sugary cereals because I don't want to have that fight every day. That'd be exhausting. Absolutely. And so when you're talking with your clients, cause I get this a lot from, you know, parents saying, 
I find myself eating what my kids eat. And, you know, my conversation with them is typically if it's in the house, it is going to get eaten. And most of the time it's going to be by you, or you're going to be having those arguments, right. With your kids about why they can't have Oreos or, you know, every night after school, you have to leave it out outside the home. And, you know, they kind of say, well, my husband, it's, it's just a really big change and an overhaul. And so I'd love to hear from you. How do you coach clients in those situations where they feel like they can't make this change or remove the things from the home. Mm -hmm. So I have a, I have like these fit me basics and one of the, it, they're called, I, I call them like truths, but it's almost like a mantra. And what I tell people is if you wouldn't want it in your house on your worst day, the day that you're most stressed out and whatever, then do not buy it. And so like, it doesn't matter what the package says on the back, if it's the serving size and you're like hypothetically imagining that you're going to have seven thin mints as a serving or two thin mints as a serving. If you know that on your worst day, when you're stressed out, you will clean house on that box of thin mints. Do not put it in your house. That's the rule. Um, so that's sort of like the shopping rule. But I, what you're asking is like, how do you force your family to be okay with the fact that you didn't put them into the house. If they've been like excited about it, they want Girl Scout cookies or they are like, where's, where's the tortilla chips? Like it's tortilla chip time. Mm -hmm. I think step one has to be a conversation. It has to be to your spouse and to your kids. Guys, I know we've had this in our house for a long time, I want us to eat healthy. I want us to feel good. I want us to have snacks that work for us. So I'm not going to be buying this anymore because of that. And having a conversation in with your spouse, maybe it starts with, again, it starts with you. So you saying like, I am working really hard to improve how I eat and I am struggling with temptation of seeing this all the time. And it would really help me if, if we don't have it in the house and just make it a little bit in that conversation with your spouse about your change. Um, and then, you know, if they're little, okay. So if, if this is about little kids, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, six or below seven or below, where that conversation is not going to like matter. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, I don't care. I want macaroni and cheese. <laughs> this is where I say you put your big girl pants on and you just don't buy it. I don't care what they say. They are not the boss of your grocery cart. Yeah. And I get it. Like, trust me. Like I understand maybe it's it. And then there are strategies along the way to make that like a little bit more smooth in terms of like, allowing them to have some ownership over building, you know, better choices. All of those are like great strategies, but at the end of the day, you are the one with the wallet. You're the one with the grocery cart. You can decide to not put it in there. Yeah. I can't agree more. And I really, I mean, I can't relate to the clients that have, you know, older kids because we're not there yet. You know, Marcus is seven months old. And so I buy everything for him. And that's kind of the stance that, you know, my husband and I have taken, but it's different for us because we're in the industry, right? And just like what you were saying earlier, we, I didn't grow up in a home that was healthy eating. I grew up with the hamburger helper with, um, a lot of cereal, honey, nut Cheerios is my jam, you know, and yeah. And so a lot of these things, you know, cookies and ho-hos and like whatever, they would always be around in the house. And then it was like an all or nothing. And so like, I, 
love, love, love uh, my mom. She was my best friend, but it was this very like black or white. And that's Mm -hmm. obviously not what we want to create because knowing what I know now, I, I demonized food because of that black or white. Right. And so I love your approach of, you know, we have had, we haven't had this in the, or we have had this in the house and I'm not going to be buying this anymore because I want us to feel good and be healthy versus this is bad for us. Or there's, you know, sugar and sugar is addicting and it's going to make you fat. And, you know, all of those things I think that come with some of these quote unquote, like fun foods. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that approach of just educating them. And, but yeah, it doesn't change. Okay. Like we're all kind of wired for this. Number one, the food industry has put millions and millions of dollars into wiring us a certain way. So not only do we like the marketing, we have emotional attachment to it, to cereal, to those kind of foods, to nutter butter bars, you know, like there's emotions attached with those stupid oatmeal cream pies because of like honey, I shrunk the kids. We all watched that movie, you know? So it's like, there's emotions there too. And so one of the, even though we try to eat a certain way in our house, if my kids are looking over my shoulder as I'm doing the grocery order, which I order groceries most of the time, um, again, it's part of my life right now, single mom life. But honestly, there's a lot of other reasons that I think ordering groceries is positive, but my kids will look over my shoulder and they, even though we are, they're familiar with what I buy, they still ask every single time, can I have those Gatorades? Can I have those, you know, those candy bars? Can I, if they see it, oh, can we get those chips? And I still say the same thing. It doesn't like, they didn't stop asking just because I've, you know, chosen to buy different things. They're still wired to want those things. And the same thing with us, like the reason that the advice exists to shop the outer perimeter of the grocery store is that's where you're going to find the healthy food. But if you just stay out of those aisles mm-hmm. and don't look at it, you're going to do better. Um, and so my kids, I, I always just tell them like, Hey, like it, when they're looking over my shoulder and they're like, they look and they see Gatorades, right? Mm-hmm sports drink, right? That seems reasonable. It's marketed as reasonable. It's marketed as healthy. Really electrolytes, right? Electrolytes. But really what it is, is a giant, like 40 ounces of sugar. Unless we have the flu or something like, I really don't think we need that as a daily drink, you know, unless you ran a marathon, you probably don't need it as an adult either, to be honest. Like it's, it's not bad. It's just not what your body needs. So like, that's the thing. And so, but kids don't know that it's marketed as like healthy sports drink. So I just tell them that I'm just like, Hey, it's mostly sugar guys. Like you don't really need that today. Um, and so I don't buy it. Um, and, but if they played their soccer game and a mom brought Gatorades, whatever, I mean, they'll have it. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. Like, do I think they'd probably be fine with water? Yeah, probably. But like they can have the Gatorade. Like it's, it, it's just, what you said about moderation, I think is good, but we can control our moderation, right? We control our environment. So I can either moderate by surrounding myself with temptations and cookies and things, and then decide that I'm going to self-regulate and moderate. That's one method. Or the other method is I make my house a sanctuary of healthy food, of like nourishing relationships, of like good stuff. And then the moderation comes in when I'm Yes. When it's a special occasion and I'm at like my friend's barbecue and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Some 
barbecue potato chips would be awesome right now. And I have some barbecue potato chips and I don't have to think about it and worry about it because the moderation is that that's not the way I eat every day. Right. Right. And it's just not staring you in the face. You know, like for us, we don't keep, we're very similar to you. We, we build the kitchen the way that on my worst day, if I'm extremely stressed out, like I don't have the things there for me, it's Twizzlers. I love the Twizzler bites. And if you walk those aisles, you, if you notice, like you almost start to like salivate, right? Because it brings back memories and emotions. And so like, if I had a stressful day and I'm at the grocery store, I know those Twizzlers bring back good memories of my childhood. And that would be something I would gravitate towards. If they were in the house, of course, they're going to get eaten. So we're very much the same. And then we just leave it all out. Um, and then if we have events, those are like our planned deviation. So I know you, obviously, with Nutritional Coaching Institute, talk a lot, I'm sure, with periodization and seasons. And are we, you know, on right now? Are we planning deviations? Are we making sure that, you know, we're preparing for the upcoming event or vacation and then going into it without having guilt and shame around food and being able to go and enjoy and not feeling like I've been so deprived of this that now I have to stuff my face with the barbecue chips, but yeah, that I can have a little serving of it and be fine. Mm -hmm. I've actually thought about periodization a lot lately. And I think my first take on periodization was, okay, this is the season that I'm dieting. And so I'm doing this strategy, like say, um, packing my food everywhere I go, eating certain things, avoiding certain things. And this is the season that I'm enjoying like holidays. So I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to eat what I want to eat and enjoy this season. And then the next season is about athletics and I'm going to like try to work really hard in the gym and, you know that's one way of understanding periodization, but I've kind of changed how I think about it because I've seen a lot of swing that happens in that. In that. are on or off. Yeah. Rhythm there that is, is difficult to detach our emotions from too. Like we, it'd be nice to know that if you're in the season of the holidays, you can just enjoy it without feeling bad, but eating like an asshole for two months straight is not really ideal. So like, you're going to feel bad because you know that eating like that is terrible. So I've kind of more decided that the way that I live and the way that, you know, in fit me that I'm coaching people to live is we're going to have this baseline of habits of things that we do all the time. We drink water, we move, you know, every single day we do movement. We, um, we eat real food that we've prepared. You know, we're not eating processed junk. We're not eating fast food. We're not drinking our calories. This is how we live. And the seasons in which you want to create change, like where you're, you want your body to change. You need to be doing those things that I just said at like 99%. You really, you got to be on point. You have to do those things consistently. You're not eating out fast food. You're not drinking. You are not having sugar and nonsense. You are just eating real food, exercising, drinking lots of water. That's the recipe, right? Like you know it as well as I do. So the, the season in which you want to have like maybe summer, right? Like maybe you're going to have a bunch of barbecues and yep. 4th of July and then yeah. you are still living that way. It's just the percentage of consistency is lower. 
So instead of 99% when you're trying to change your body, we're now maintenance and balance and we're living it at 80%. Yeah. You can have a cocktail and go out to dinner and like, you know, enjoy a sweet treat once a week. Nothing wrong with that. That's called maintenance. But the rest of the days, I mean, and, and even the day you're doing that, you're still moving, you're still drinking water, you're still eating mostly food that you've prepared and not going to fast food or drinking your calories. Like those are the baselines. It's just how much deviation do you allow changes based on your goal. Yeah. It's very similar. We've been talking a lot about, I correlate it to like laying a foundation of a house, right? Like you have to have your, we have five rock solid habits that make, you know, our status quo, that's yeah. movement, it's water, it's veggies, it's protein, it's sleep too. We talk a lot about that. Um, just because we see so many people who are stressed out, they're not sleeping, they're not drinking water, obviously digestive woes, things like that. But yeah, I get, when I was talking about periodization and more meaning of like, I'm planning for this date night. Yeah, I know that I am, you know, really on point. I have a plan going into it. I'm thinking strategically about I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy myself, but I am not going to treat this as a free for all, like cheap, you know, like that term that so many people used to use. I don't even talk about that anymore. So like hurt myself saying it. Right. But like, I, I use these like planned deviations and the same with, you know, family and kids is what I'm, you know, kind of prefacing this for is when we go to Jojo's birthday party, it's okay. What you have there is okay. And then we return back to normal, your normal behavior, your normal habit. Yes. Yeah. And outside of that, you have your water. You don't have the, you know, juices, you have the zero calorie beverages or whatever, you know, the kids drink in the house that are not full of sugar. Mm -hmm. You know what though? I, I, I don't want to like discount the version of periodization that I kind of like described because I think that it is appropriate for certain kinds of people. I think like if you are, if, if athletics is your primary goal, and you are an athlete, a competitive athlete recreationally, or your financial, like, you know, well-being depends on it, either one, then periodization is very important for you. Like you are going to be packing your food in rubber mains. Guess what? Like that's sometimes required. And if you are, if competing like in a figure competition or those kind of goals are important, and I'm not saying they're not good goals, then periodization in the way that I described is more like that. Right. I'm saying that like for the people that probably you and I, Mm -hmm. you and I coach, I think that that is not helpful. Like thinking about, okay, this next three months, I'm going to be dieting and packing all my food in containers for a regular person who's not, that's not ideal. In fact, that's just more dieting. (laughs) That's exactly. (laughs) Yes. And so like, if you're doing that as an excuse for the gateway to get to real life, like you're doing it wrong. Um, but if you do have a goal that is very specific, then you, it is, it requires a whole different strategy. And like, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, you know, athletes or especially, you know, body physique shows, um, that wanted to inflict that. I think what we do and you may do something similar. I'm not really sure. We do more of like a matador cycling um, with periodization where I know if I have someone who's going to go on spring break here in March, we'll cycle three weeks on one week off, but not off to the point of I went and ate and drank everything like an asshole, but I went and I didn't track my food. I enjoyed things in moderation. You know, most of them I see come back 
way less um, weight gain than they might have had the year prior to where they did a fad diet and they went in because of those foundational habits that we've built where they said, I continued my water. I got up in the morning and I did my 30 minutes of movement and I, you know, focused on having more vegetables than I would have last time where I just ate all the pizza and the ice cream and stuff. And so we kind of use it, you know, a little bit differently versus like three months at a time, because I do think from the lifestyle perspective, hundred percent what you said, your percentage of compliance does change and fluctuate, but your foundational habits of your lifestyle should never change. No. And, and I, and I, I gained 40 pounds with my pregnancy with Georgia and like I ate well, I exercised. Um, I did the best that I could. I didn't eat perfect. I mean, but like I ate definitely 10 X better than I did with my boys and I still gained 40 pounds. And I, so I am on a weight loss, you know, season. Um, and I'm giving myself plenty of time to lose that baby weight, but I'm not someone who just like woke up six after six weeks after having her and poof, I'm back 40 pounds gone. That is not me. That's not my body. I like lost the, the 10 or 15. That was like baby plus fluid. And then that's it. My body's like, okay, cool. We can just stay here. Like, you know, I had her, I was 195 pounds when I like walked into the hospital and like I, my body was like, oh cool, we can be 180 forever if you want, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. So the reason I say that is because, um, you know, I did a season of really tightening it up and, you know, I, I wasn't having a glass of wine on the weekends. I wasn't like going out to eat very much. I was, I was really tuning it up. I kicked my movement into gear again. This probably happened at four or five months postpartum, not two months. I wasn't ready then. Yeah. I needed more flexibility. And then the holidays happened. So I actually had lost some of the weight, you know, felt much better, um, but still was not back to my original, you know, body composition or body weight kind of. And I'm not super focused on the scale, but it's yeah. just using that as a metric. Like, um, but the holidays came. And so then my goal changed. Because my goal was, I want to enjoy the holidays. It's not going to be a free-for-all, but this is not going to be six weeks of me trying to diet through the holidays or push myself. I'm just going to hold steady here and be cool with that and enjoy my family and have a little bit more balance. But again, I was still going to the gym. I was still making most of my foods. It's just, I didn't stress when Josh was home for Thanksgiving and we went out to dinner three times that week or, you know, it was okay. Like it was me. Yeah, I was, I was, I knew that, I needed a, a couple of weeks of just maintaining and that that was actually going to be good for my body anyway. Yeah. Um, and then now I'm back in gear, you know, to push and like try to get a body composition that feels good to me and I feel good in my clothes. And so I just kind of wanted to share that, that even postpartum, it's not like because I'm a coach or something like magically poof, like fit body. <laughs> I am no. in the same game as everybody else. Like this is, I would say my experience has been, it is extremely slow, even with things really dialed in or getting back into the gym. I mean, I tell all the girls that I work with that are postpartum, give yourself a year. And I keep having to remind myself of that. Right. But, um, very similar to, okay, I'm cutting, I'm, you know, very focused. I'm very dialed in holidays come. I also know in our industry, right. We're ramping up for launch time in January high stress, less sleep, what's happening on the holidays with travel and all that stuff, let's maintain. But postpartum, I found the weight loss is much, much lower 
and I'm not nursing anymore because I wasn't, my breast milk supply just did not um, hold up. And so at two months I was down to like two ounces a day and I was just like, okay, done with this. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's totally different because our hormones are also still balancing out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So anybody who's listening, I would say, if you are somebody who is postpartum, you've got to give yourself grace and know that just because yeah, you know, you, what you see on Instagram with the six week bounce back, I hate that terminology because number one, we shouldn't deliver a, a child and then automatically go into diet. Right. No, no. I, and, and mentally it wasn't, it didn't feel good. It wouldn't have felt good to do that. And then physically our bodies need time. Yes. Like you're okay. It is not healthy to have dramatic change period. I don't care what it looks like. So you just had a baby like yep. that's dramatic change. And so being okay with stabilizing there for just a minute is okay. Yep. Like it didn't feel good. Right. Like I wanted to, uh, fall off magically, you know, as I nurse away, like the weight's just falling off. I can't stop eating and I'm just losing weight. Nope. That's not the case. Like, yeah. um, but it, it, it is good to be in a place and have the support people around me to tell, remind me like, it's okay. Like this is, it's okay to stay stable right here. Um, I mean, I use coaching for myself for a lot of, you know, a lot of this because you get in your own head, it doesn't matter what you know. Um, you get in your own head. I share a lot of it on Instagram and stuff, uh, not just to share it, but because it's almost like a journal for me, it allows me to say some of the things that I'm feeling and get them out. And that way I can uh, give them space, you know, and then not panic <laughs> and yeah. make some kind of crazy decision. Um, but also inspiring people, you know, so I, at the end here, as we wrap up, you can tell people where they can follow you, but you know, a lot of the times things that you share, I'm like, yeah, I was feeling that kind of way today. Right. Like I didn't want to go to the gym, but I drug my butt here and now I feel amazing after, or like, I know I see you bringing Georgia to class. I have to take Marcus with me. A lot of times we don't get just that full hour of personal time and space the way we used to. So it does make it more challenging and it does make it a lot easier to make excuses. If we wanted to make excuses, like we're just going to stay home today, but you don't. And I love that because I know that you're inspiring a lot of other moms out there who may not have those routines in place right now. So I think it's awesome what you share on Instagram. Thank you. I, I, I think about it a lot. It's not something that, um, you know, to say that I do it deliberately, it makes it sound like I'm trying to do it to grow a business or something, which that is a positive side effect, I guess, is because I'm, I have an online business, you know, having an online presence, they're connected, but that's not the why. The why is because what that coach did for me, like the place that I was in when I didn't know that I could do it. Like I didn't know what was ahead. I didn't know how to connect with community. I didn't know about those habits. I didn't have faith. I couldn't see that athlete in me anymore. Um, and I didn't know if I would ever, ever get to a place where I felt good again. Like that's the reason why I bother sharing the stuff that I do on Instagram, like, or on Facebook in my group and that kind of stuff. Because if someone looks at it, even just one person is like, yep, that's me today. 
like that's the reason to do it. And now I have the, I, I say the luxury, but that's not even the right word. I feel like I have the insight because I've been on this path before where the weight loss journey now, um, although it feels hard, I, I have the insight that I've gone through this before. I know what's going to happen. I know these ups and downs. And um, so I don't necessarily struggle the way I did when I couldn't see clearly. So me sharing those same feelings as they pop up now um, and my experience as a mom and, and trying to be a coach and trying to be a wife from far away, like sharing that now is something I feel really, um, it's almost like a important burden because I have the insight, because I'm going through it, it's important for me to share it. Because if when, when you're in the heat of it, sometimes you're, you're not able to share it. You're not even aware of what you're experiencing. Yeah. And other people to see that you've, you've done it and for you to encourage them. Like if I can do it, I got to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm going through it again for the second or the third time, whatever. I know what things are going to pop up, what hurdles I might have to go over, but I do know that I have a finish line and I'm capable of getting there. And so are you. So yeah, I love that. I love all of your messaging. And obviously that's why I wanted to chat today and um, share it with our listeners, because I know we have a lot of moms that listen and it's not easy being a mom and it's not easy trying to live a healthy lifestyle, especially if you don't have a community or you are trying to go at it alone. And this is your first time. And you know, you don't know you're in a place where you're frustrated and you're trying to do all the things and think you have to be perfect. And I just love the messaging that you share is very similar to ours in the way that it's a lifestyle. You know, you have to build those habits in and you have to have those kind of like rules, as you said, for fit me. Whereas we say, you know, the foundations to support you for the times that, you know, life gets hard. So um, thank you for your time. Will you leave us with where people can follow you? Cause I also want to share your podcast um, because I think you and Jess are doing a fantastic job. Thanks. Well, I have to tell you too, I just feel like when I met you in Arizona, it was like, oh, like she, we hit it off like instantly. And I was like, oh, she gets it. Like she is awesome. And so, you know, I feel like I know you, even though we only met that one weekend. And so um, you're doing amazing stuff as well. Um, And I know that's why people listen to this because you bring it, bring in the heat and the, also the love and all the stuff. So, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Christy May Campbell. Um, so it's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y and then M-A-E Campbell. Um, it's a mixture of all the things, both uh, nutrition, family. It's mostly just me, to be honest, like doing whatever I do. And you get to see Georgia a lot. And so if you just want to meet Georgia May, then you can do that. Um, <laughs> but I, like I said, I try to put out something that will be actually helpful in this universe. Um, you do. You do. And, and I'll link you, I'll link you in the show notes too. And I'll link your, um, the nourished mama, right? Well, listen, mama. So listen, I, mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, 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 it's totally okay. So, um, so Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. And then if you're, you know, if you want to read my blog or anything like that, it's on fitmenutrition.com. And, um, then I co-host a podcast with Jess Durando, who is an amazing coach, um, a mindset specialist. And we do a podcast called Listen Mama. And um, that also comes out weekly. And so you can also search for that if you're looking for podcasts. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot 
share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.